Welcome to this episode of the UK Sports Chat podcast. This week's guest is Andy Lane. Andy is a professor of sports psychology at the University of Wolverhampton. He is accredited from the British Association of Sport and Exercise Sciences for scientific support and research and also and is also a chartered psychologist with the British Psychological Society. He has authored more than 100 peer referee journal articles and edited two books. Andy is also a member of the Emotion Regulation of Others and Self-Research Network, erosresearch.org, where he investigates emotion regulation in sport and other settings. His applied work has been involved um, a number of clients, including the English Institute of Sport and the London Boxing Association, working with an athlete who is preparing for world championship contests. And he's a former amateur boxer, uh, a runner, remains active in sport as a runner and duathlete, and after shedding 20 kilos, is enjoying competition again. Uh, and he regularly takes part on um, social media and specifically UK Run Chat and it was really great to spend some time chatting with him. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for joining us Andy, welcome. Pleasure Joe, absolute pleasure. Yeah, Great to have you on, thank you. Um, I know that both you and your wife Helen join in a lot on our social channels and um, thank you for hosting the Run Chat Hour last night. Sure again. Yeah. We've got Helen doing it again soon as well so She's Helen's hosting next week, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. We sit on the sofa next to each other typing. It, it's <laughs> <laughs> we have. There's a there's a lot of running couples. Yeah. We, we, there was one baby as well a couple of years ago. Excellent. Um, yeah. You had your um over 450 yeah. park runs. Is it? I think you said last week was it 450 on Saturday. Yeah, Helen's just almost the same because we obviously don't do them together. So yeah, 450. Um, the uh, which sounds impressive, but it's a habit that and I've been, it's a habit I've been doing every Saturday, pretty much for the last uh, nine years or so. So yeah. it's not actually it's enjoyable. Loads of different countries in the world, different park runs. All the, you know, it's all good, isn't it? It's just and if it's all good, so you don't need to race them hard all the times, or you can race them, run run them as hard as possible. But there's there's it's great, really. It's because it's free. I love it. <laughs> I love that part yeah. of it as well. Yeah. You can do it every week. As well. I used to enter races every week. It cost me a fortune, but now it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Great. So, yeah, so congrats, congratulations on that. And it's, it, you know, you've mentioned habits there already. It is about, I mean, with, with all health and fitness, really, isn't it? And a lot of psychology is about getting yourself into these into these good habits, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and habits um, can be hard to get, get to, to start up. Um, and the key part about habits is that they are they are effortless once established. And you know, many people struggle to exercise because they're going through the, the establishment of the habit phase. If you see it as it, as that and something, well, it's going to feel difficult because conscious the sort of conscious part is that you're going to have to kind of psych yourself up to go and do it. It becomes it, it's more difficult. After a while, you just you're out there doing it. No, no one has to psych themselves up in the morning to switch the kettle on, because it's a habit yeah. that happens automatically. And we can get into very similar ways around our, our exercise habits by con- continually reinforcing and continually doing it. Yeah, 
Yeah. I, I, you, when you read about habits mm. and some of these psychology books, you see different stats. You see, um, you know, 28 days straight, all that kind of stuff. Have you, you got any any take on that? Or is it... Yeah. I mean, what you'll find is that there is there, there isn't really any very good research on that that have taken no. the um, days, days, you know, um, we, we will test the hypothesis that it'll be 28 days, not 27. Um, we will test the hypothesis that the length of the of the thing you're meant to do is this long, the engagement is this way. I mean, this, there are multiple, multiple factors that go into that, which make that very problematic what to do. What to do. Um, yeah. Part of that is your, 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 your want to do it. So the people who set goals to exercise on New Year's Day want to exercise but can't get into the habit but they actually got the good intention to do so and so that's a starting yeah. point for some people they they feel they they don't really want to do it they want to be in the habit of doing it they don't really want to actually do the activity itself so it'll be ultimately much more difficult because it'll come every time you think about that it'll come with some oh, 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 i don't really want to do this thoughts that come yeah, along that with situation. it mm. yeah so I think people should stick at it, and the point when they when it's a habit is when they've done it effort, effortlessly. Yes. Yeah, and there's bits of around that habit. I mean, the, 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 I saw that yesterday when people talk about not going for a run and not going for losing their training because of the marathon, and you kind of think, well, you're in a really good exercise habit at the moment, and what could happen is that you lose that habit because you determine that I can't go for a run because I've or I can't do X because of the virus or whatever. Um, but actually, if you're hel- you don't need a lot of saying this. You don't need a lot of space to be able to exercise. And kind of a lot of the barriers we present are our own self-imposed barriers. So you can almost on no space at all do a circuit training session and get into the habit of doing that and get into that as a routine. And then after a while, you'll start going, well, I did. 15 squats last time or 17 like well, now and you start getting motivated by your progress and, and you have this ridiculous awareness that you go i'm now actually thinking about doing squats or whatever it is and you go crikey i've really got into that and how easy that was to um to get into that way of my that way of thinking yeah do, do you think those those uh, that people you think about New Year's New Year's resolutions, they they tend to be huge, like overwhelming mm. goals. And you're talking there about going from fifteen to seventeen. Mm. It, do you think people need a bit of not react? What's the word I'm looking for? They they need to just understand the baby steps that it takes to get to that that big goal because so often these goals that are set, you know, people who perhaps never run and go straight mm. to a marathon or they want to go lose a, a significant amount of weight, or um, is that called a process goal? What, what, what would that be? Well, yeah, the, I mean, it's good to have a really big, challenging goal, and because it gives you a real sense of direction. But then you've got to break that down into what that means specifically on a moment by moment basis, um, of which then becomes achievable. So, th- if you want to be able to run for an hour. That was great, but and you and you can't run at all. And you go, well, I, my goal will be able to run for now, an and I'll be that'll be fantastic when I do that. But actually, the first goal is to get out the door. So you can say, actually, until I've cracked the 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 the, um, the activity of getting out the door, whether it's for one minute or ten minutes or an hour and so on, 
if if I don't overcome those thoughts, then I won't get anywhere near that. And so the first bit is basically goal number one would be to get out the door when I intend to get out the door and start the run and set that as the goal. And then that, so that becomes a sub goal to the main goal because they, one allows the other to, to, to take place. I mean, pro, I'm, I'm really into process goals in that you, you don't think about the outcome. You think about what you're doing on a moment by moment basis and you, and you focus your concentration on that because what that typically do, it helps you become absorbed into what you're doing. And once you're absorbed into what you're doing and concentrating on it, you tend to be more efficient, go a bit quicker. It can feel a bit easier. And in the end, the outcome largely takes care of itself. And get to the end and that's you go you go a lot further than you would do by if you're if you're if you are kind of jokingly saying, Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And if you're monitoring your if you're monitoring your um running speed and you go, I've got to do each four hundred meters in two minutes you do a 200 meters, 400 meters in two minutes five, you start going, oh, this is not worth it. I'm, not, I'm, I'm no good today. But if you said, right, my goal is to run and pump my arms, to possibly have um, cadence as your um, goal, I want to keep 170 beats a minute, steps a minute going, then you could achieve that whatever the speed. And you might have a slow lap, but three laps later, you might have a quick lap. Yes. But you don't write yourself off and you don't get the negative, the wave of, it's the wave of negativity that comes when you go, you get behind what you expect and how you start talking to yourself. And that can become really destructive, make it feel yeah. much harder. And by breaking it into those, into those smaller mm. goals as part of the, the, the bigger whole achievement, you, you're having lots of positive experiences as you're going through it mm. rather than that. Am I nearly there yet? No, I'm not. <laughs> so, so it's a, whole, a lot more of a positive experience, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and it's under your, uh, importantly, I think the good thing about process goals that should be entirely under your control. You yeah. can, you can have a, I mean, you can have a goal to run as lightly and gently as possible. So you say, I really, it's, it's, I can't be bothered to go for a run, but I want to get out anyway. I tend to feel better at the end of it. So you say, I'm going to go as lightly and gently as possible. So you, you could try to listen to how light your feet go on the ground and how slow you can go and still run. Because it don't, you know, part of the reason why people don't like, don't like exercising is the fatigue comes with the thought that it's a bit too hard and it's, um, you get a bit of negative emotions when you think you're not going to do stuff. So you feel tired and you think you're not going to fail. It's an absolute turn-off. Until yeah, you've warmed up. The, the, I mean, that's the, sorry, until you, when you've warmed up, the actual act of I've done a mile, now I feel good, starts telling you you are feeling much better. And then, you know, everyone carries on then, don't they? Yeah. And I that's, the, um, that's the challenge, isn't it? Because even that negative thought is trying to keep you comfortable as well, mm. isn't it? It's like, oh, don't fancy going out in the wind and rain today. I'll stay mm. in here where it's warm and, and sit on the settee where it's comfy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet, and yeah, if you do go out and do the positive, you feel better, and so, so they, it's like your brain's trying to protect you both ways. It is. Um, you kind of have to, you know, runners have to override the brain's defence. I quite like the idea that what well, your brain will have a conversation with you. It, it comes in the form of fatigue, typically, and says you're too tired, you haven't eaten enough, and actually, it's just trying to say we don't really want to do this. Your goal as the person in charge of that is to go, actually, my goal is to run a bit longer, a bit further. And actually, I can take a little bit of hunger. I can take a bit of fatigue. It's okay. 
we won't call it, it won't all fall apart but have that conversation saying okay well you said we're a bit tired but when we get back we'll have something to eat just kind of rationally rationalize the conversation with you with yourself to to talk yourself through it yeah yeah exactly great so we we had some questions coming on on last night's hour didn't we which we wanted to dig a little bit a little bit deeper on um what one of them was around visualization just tell us a little bit about you know what that is and and maybe some some of the how techniques that people could use. Um, well, yeah, um, visualization is um, a psychological skill which most people use quite a lot of the time, mm-hmm. um, in a lay sort of form. It's seeing yourself perform. It's seeing seeing yourself performing. In essence, you can see yourself from the the third person. So you're you are the crowd looking at um, you as the performer, or you can see yourself as the through, through the eyes of the performer. Okay. And so you can, it's, it's very, I mean, from that point of view, it's very good for re- repeating performances. It's very good for repeating performances where you made a bad decision, replaying them and having a good decision so that you, the decision to slow down because you, you were um, going too slow and you could actually replay that and saying, well, I'm going to maintain the same intensity but I'm going to try and change my technique so I um, do do it slightly differently. Or you get a plan that's not just um, effort, you know, it's not just effort based, but offers yeah. a different way of looking at it. That goes well. I can actually cope with this, or I am fatigued. Could I have could I have pushed for another twenty seconds? Yeah. And just reframing it, re-seeing yourself performing and performing in a slightly better way. Which allows, you know, the, the confidence comes from being successful performances and what imagery and visualisation can do is create those successful performances in your head. So you've got a blueprint. And when you're in that situation, you've got a way of doing it again in the future. Yeah, so it's, it's like you've practised, like it's like you've already done it. And mm. It's that... So you mentioned you can you can do that either looking so you can visualize, imagine in your mind's eye, looking through your own eyes or seeing yourself in yeah. in, in your mind's eye movie. Mm-hmm. It, is there a difference between those two in how that trains your mental preparation? Yeah, the um the looking at it from the third person is yeah. has less powerful than you you as the performer. So you as the performer is good. When you've got experience of doing that, then it's um, you, you've got a memory in there to actually use. The, but the third person works very well to teaching imagery is that you can have a video of yourself running and then you can watch the video of yourself running and then use that image you've just seen as the basis for the imagery you're about to do. So it becomes really easy to actually learn from actually that. Well, I look like this. I've just seen how I look, and now I'm going to repeat that in my mind, uh, and replay it, and do it differently. So, you know, slightly different ways of doing it, but um, um, the the, third, the the ease in which we can video ourselves is makes it really um, useful as a strategy. I mean, and people that you know, people can set these videos up quite easily. Is that you just get someone to film yourself running running over the top of a hill. And therefore, you can create your own motivational video of you running over the top of the hill. You can then do imagery of yourself running over the top of the hill. So when you're doing reps around that, which is 
the idea that you run strong to the top of the hill and then accelerate over it could be the goal and you image yourself doing it. You watch yourself doing it and then you watch an improved version of yourself in your mind doing it. Get confident that that's that you can do that. Get the the, the blueprint for how that works. You know, as you run over the top of the hill, nice relaxed arms pumping to get your arms pumping to get your legs as the legs get slower. And you, and you know what you're doing is you're creating differences in your technique and have confidence that you can deliver that technique at the point where it matters. And you're learning to concentrate on the parts which will help you go a lot faster. And actually, you're not you're going harder, but not trying harder. You're trying to be more efficient, so the imagery can help you focus on what really matters to overcome the difficult moments, which I think is really key in running because simply trying harder just creates more tension and more tension creates more fatigue. Yeah. And so, so, is this, so, is this, so is this useful for, for looking at yourself and, and remembering previous performance and future performance? Or how, how should... Uh, running hobbyist if i'm going to sit down and do my first 10 minutes of visualizing am I, should i sit down and think about a previous race that i've run and how that should have improved or, or should i be thinking about a training technique that i should be imagining myself being effortless or what, what i'd say is that, that you've got a training session coming up whatever that's going to be yep. and you go okay what is my training session and then um doing a, a how you know, what are the goals for each different parts of it so um whatever they may be. And then however you're going to measure those, see, you then do imagery of yourself performing in the very session you're about to do. So you start exactly in the here and now, about to go and do this session. Um, it has goals about how, how I want to perform and therefore imaging yourself uh, running, image yourself getting through to closely achieving these goals um, is, is a great starting point for that. Um, a really good activity to use for imagery is weight training. I know people, all people, all runners use that, but you can imagine yourself pushing the weight up, and then you actually have a go at pushing the weight up, and it sits very nicely because you sit on the machine having a rest, and which allows you to do the imagery, and then you reenact what you just did in a way to actually do it again. So you could integrate that into the task quite nicely, and it actually gives you rest, because I know what runners are like when they get in the gym is that they think rest is not something they have. But they can build their mental—they can build their mental skills and build their physical skills at the same time in that way. But I think you—you yeah. you get a session and you go right. Okay, what are the goals for this session? And you specify those, and then you use imagery to help you achieve those goals in the session. And you see yourself how you—you you, you go through it how you would achieve those goals. So you see yourself doing it, and you get an understanding of the process it needs to to go through. It doesn't have to be that long necessarily. But it does yeah, then target. How long should it be? Well, I mean, the, the, this has been about the the um, the um, uh, remain, maintaining a level of motivation. The and it depends on the complexity of the task and how difficult you'll and how many negative thoughts you'll have in to try and stop that. Um, yep. In essence, I don't think you need to have ten minutes of doing this beforehand would be enough because that's very um, practical. Allow how it would be in, in competition. In that you can integrate these skills into the warm-up going into a, a run, into a race, and therefore, you know, if I said an hour, an hour might be quite good for learning complicated skills and doing analysis and planning, but it's totally impractical. Whereas 10 minutes about going through the difficult moments at, and doing that, in, 
You can do that in the very early stages of a warm-up so that you actually can start engaging the brain and the physic and the and the body together at the start, which then yeah, provides a context for it. I guess when whilst you're travelling, if you know you're travelling to to an event, you're on the yeah. you're, on, you're on the bus, you're on the train, you can be sat there and doing it. Can be, and I was just just to go back to your weights example. So if I'm doing my hill sprints for the week, you run up the hill as you're on your way back down. When you're walking back down, is 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 when you you run through that next rep in in your mind's eye. Mm-hmm. You can do, yep, you can do that. You um, you could do that. The, the I mean. That assumes there's no recovery goal. Like recovery might be about getting your breaths back, getting relaxed. Because so you can have all sorts of you know, um, plans around that. And that the, you, by getting better at the recovery, you could then get better at the rep. Um, you certainly can do that. You can certainly integrate it in. Um, and, you, yeah. and you certainly could do it beforehand as well. And you could do both and mix it up so that you, sometimes it's, it's around that. Um, uh, it's, it's around both of those areas, yeah. So, so what uh, what other things are that people can do for visualization? So, I've I've seen people with image boards where they, you know, they've got things stuck on the fridge, and um, I I've, I remember it in a, in an old corporate environment, I saw people with a PowerPoint presentation that used to come up on front on the front of their um, mm. on the front of their screen, and they they wrote they wrote things as if they'd already achieved them. It was it was written in the past tense. Mm. It was you know I've achieved such and such a goal in such and such a time. But why why would why would they do that? Yeah, the well, what they get in there is performance reminders of that. You you and create and create the um, the uh, mindset is that you did it before you can do it again. And when you get a bit nervous, like yeah. it's really good to have those performance reminders placed in front of you because when you're nervous, the brain then is very good at recalling all the times you didn't go so well and often not very good at remembering when you did go so well. So having pre-planned the reminders of when it was really good is a really good idea. It's kind of why I'm, you know, some people are a bit negative across um, use of Strava and all these other type of activities. But actually, if you go, if you say I will identify your five best runs and have, have links to your five best runs, yeah. you can click them, click them up and then you can drag the mouse, you can drag the, cursor through and you can relive that really difficult really um, good run and you you get memories of overcoming the diff- difficult physical parts and it's a real refresher to say actually yeah i remember doing that and i can do that again um, i certainly tough enough i didn't give up that day you know it, it, all sorts of positives you can pull out from that didn't give up kept calm whatever that whatever they are you've You've looked at that beforehand, and you put that in. You can put it in the notes of the run, actually, and then make it private if you're a bit. Um, yeah. You don't want people to see that, but and then and then you can use that as a performance reminder. It's the other bit to Strava is that people can actually yeah. make them private, and they can have all their runs on and just make a couple private, which they then use where they where they fill it full of notes, which then become really useful as a way of in, of looking at how well you performed. Yeah, it's a great tip. And I, I, so my take is on this that ev- everyone could is potentially brilliant at mm. at doing this because um, yeah. I, I think the the natural habit for us is that 
we do it the wrong way round, don't we? So we we worry in advance about things that that might not ever happen. Like that's why I'm a parent. I've got three children, and but it's one of the most natural things that you do is you think, well, what if this happens to your child? They're going out and they're doing X, Y, and Z. What if this happens? And what if that happens? And that and that translates into, into performance anxiety. You know, what if I mess up or I don't get the mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z right in in all sorts of aspects of your life? So. Is, is it just something that we naturally do the wrong way round, if you like? Is that, is that what we do? Well, the, um, we're not going to get rid of it. The imagery and all these techniques won't get rid of anxiety necessarily. What, what you know, The imagery will, can help you perform to a better standard of which your expectations that you will be able to perform to a better standard. So when you go into a race, you expect that and you become more nervous because you think you're going to fail against your previous standard. They kind of work in against themselves is i don't think we should see anxiety necessarily and always as a bad thing okay and if we can accept that when we do something quite important to us we're going to get nervous yep and then we go okay i'm going to get nervous and then is what is the narrate the narrative that comes with these nerves and then you mm-hmm. and then you can replay the times you got nervous and um, i know if, if it's crippling for people then it's a, it's a it's not a good thing and we can do various breathing and relaxation techniques to reduce that. And they do work really well. But for many people, it's a, it's a, it's a conversation that goes on in their head that talks yeah. about them failing. And you just need to kind of take a third person perspective on that and say, well, that you know, you're having this conversation with me, your brain is, and you can give that anxiety a name. You go, okay, you're, anxiety thoughts that are going in my head or negative thoughts that are going in my head you're called you can give it an 89 you want yeah. and then you can have a conversation with that and say well actually i'm not going to give up i'm not going to suddenly give up if i get tired i'm going to slow down i'm, I'm going to temporarily i'm going to have a drink or uh, i'm not going to walk at, at what point and you can start having going well you know i'm not it's not going to go so disastrous that um, I'm going to have to do the sort of things you're talking about because I've done those sorts of things before. So you rationalise with those negative thoughts away from the competition, replay it, and then it puts it into perspective, puts a lot of it into perspective that um, you will still be able to perform well because you have done previously when you're anxious. Kind of the mm-hmm. most difficult bit with anxiety is just getting to the start. Once you get once the, Once the race starts, the anxiety largely stops. So you need to need yes. to get to the start, and kind of that. A lot of the work I will do is to is to give people a really clear plan for the re, the first part of the race. So it's yes. really conscious that you're not going to start as if your shorts are on fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that is that a part of the race that that people? I don't know if this is going one step too far, but should should you mentally prepare for the bit before you start because that's the yeah. bit where you potentially feel anxious? Yeah, of course. And the planning the hour before a race is really hour is really is really important. It needs to go through your thoughts and emotions. But that you know the the um, if you know the race starts at nine o'clock, then you know you could you could preset your warm up for thirty minutes beforehand or whatever you want. And know exactly how that goes. So you get in there and you go, right, the first 10 minutes might be very gentle jogging, walking, 
light stretching and then you might have 10 minutes of it and so you in that you know that 30 minutes 30 minutes like 30 30 minutes later you're going to be running quite hard and you can prepare what you want to do in that session well that whole 30 minutes can be a, a tr can be practiced and practiced and practiced in training so what i'm going to do now is learn my work learn my warm-up routine so that i know it prepares me for when i'm to my best sessions so the important sessions on a should should you can use your the warm-up routine as a way of getting ready for them if that's possible practically i mean 30 minutes is quite a long time for most runners um, yeah. again that's cultural because I, I once trained with some sprinters and um, i thought we were going to do he said my friend was a pole vault he said we're going to do three four four three hundreds i think he said and so we got down there i thought we'd be gone in 15 minutes we, we're 45 minutes and we and he goes right. We'll just do some more, more some more strides. I said, but we've been training for forty five minutes. He said, yeah, we're just warming up. And we did one rep, and then we came back in again for another ten minutes stretching. I was there about two and a half hours to do. <laughs> but he goes, well, that's how sprinters train. Why do you think they're quick? Because they yeah. recover that rest. Well, and and there's a big. Um, I know um, endurance runners go bosh straight out to um, to um, yeah. to their and that's norm but you know sometimes you can you can look to other sports to see how things are differently a way to learning what, what you're doing and do it and maybe make some some changes and improvements but it would be mine would be to the if, if the if anxiety is a big problem beforehand is get a good performance routine warm-up routine so you know that that gets you ready physically because when you've yeah. got when you've got trust in that as you start it immediately once you you know it starts reducing your anxiety because you get into this routine that comes along with that um, yeah i've been um, here before i know what i'm doing yeah That's, we can yeah, yeah. give you confidence absolutely uh absolutely yeah. and you can use you know music's a cracker for this one because you have the music for when you want to be calm so you put calm music on the music mm -hmm. which is start a bit about raising energy so you have a bit more energy level music and then the music for when you, your arousal gets going on and you can play that on your headphones, knowing that the whole thing takes 30 minutes or whatever yours is going to be. Uh, and it paces you through it. It talks you through it because you don't go into one part of the thing too early. You'd have to watch the watch to do so. You know, as you put this on, it, this takes this long and this is and this paces your warm up. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you know, great. some great tip. The, uh, the headphone bits are cracker as well because as you put headphones on, you stop um, talking to people. Now that, and for, um, I mean, I think one of the questions last night was about how to psych out the opponents. Well, yes. going on, going and talking to them normally psychs them out. Someone go, someone. I mean, I know uh, when I did the park run in Bruton, one of the person would go, "Oh, you're looking really good today. You might have a chance of winning." You could just think that this is, and the per you could see him. Oh, the, the, it's such a wind up for the person who gets the information. You think, "Good lord." <laughs> Oh, it's comical to listen because you know what the person's doing. It's they're deliberately trying to get the uh, the other person wound up a bit um, yeah. by raising, trying to raise their expectations that they're going to be a lot better. Um, but you put headphones on and you can't do it. Famous James Cracknell, isn't it? What are you listening to, James? Oh no, no, I'm not listening to anything. I just don't like talking to anyone. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> put them off. Brilliant. Yes. Um, 
just going back to the self talk and and naming naming that voice potentially those voices could be a person that actually you know means it could be a parent that's voice yeah. in your head or you know who whose voice is it that's internal is it your own voice is it a parent's is it is it an old pe teacher it, I, so that's that's an interesting mm. technique that you actually mm. you you name it and I suppose you disassociate yourself from any kind of feelings at, at, attached to that which I, I'd assume that usually those internal voices you are yeah you know perhaps there's some kind of negative experience that you've had or, or positive you know. well the if you wanted um the if you I mean, it could you, the voice could be the best version of you so it comes in your voice. Uh, if you took yep. great advice from someone who's, you could have that voice come out in their in their accent, um, but you might not believe it unless you've spoken to them. If you've had a coach, it might want to come out in the. You might want to capture phrases your coach has said and have them replay to you from me, from memories. Um, mm-hmm. you, the, the whatever the voice is, it's got to be believable from the first part. So the likelihood that you pick some, you know, someone who's never met you and unlikely to speak to you, might not have the, might not be convincing. But the other side to that is um, the, uh, it's got to be, got to be practical. I mean, we did this project on mental skills with the BBC uh, for the 2012 Olympics, where that we had the sprinter Michael Johnson narrating psychological skills. I mean, the interesting finding from that is that whoever, whatever intervention people had, um, if they had Michael Johnson offering some encouragement, their confidence next time went up. Right? The people who didn't have a sound card in their computer, right, because we measured because that was in there, who therefore didn't get Michael Johnson speaking to them, didn't their confidence didn't go up. Now, that, so that makes no no relationship to um, whether they made a choice to skip through the intervention. They wanted to listen to the intervention, but some of the computers didn't have a sound card to play it. In other words, just, and the interventions were very different. Some of them should have raised confidence. Other of them should have made people feel calmer. One of them was a control condition, which just, he just talked, which meant to have no effect. Being talked to by Michael Johnson was very powerful. It raised, made psychological changes. And it's not too surprising, is it? Because it, a personal message about to perform, given from somebody like that, is potentially very, yeah. it's, it's influential. And it, yeah. that was one of the effects would be. You could replicate that study by getting someone else to do the talk, which won't be very, which is, is it's only going one way, really, for the person who does the talking next, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so, so, so it's it's about... So for, so for people who haven't, who potentially haven't done this before, but it, it's about being intentional with that yeah. internal voice and actually, you know, grasping it and giving it a name or mm-hmm. turning it into that those positive messages that mm. you've that you've heard and been given from from others and seeing yourself mm. um, performing well um, in in your, in your mind's eye and in, in your self talk. Yeah, I mean, I like to get the self-talk on pro again on process goals when it's difficult. What will be what information will be useful to help you run faster and more efficiently? And it's mm-hmm. you know, typically about relaxing the upper body, run tall, pump arms, as opposed to um, the sort of statements you can do it and sort because of, you kind of want the questions about whether you're 
you're mentally tough enough for it today, or you're going to have doubts. Answers beforehand. That, in other words, it's a given. You're going to try as hard as yeah. possible prior to that. Once you get in there, it's about negotiating the course and and the, the periodic parts of fatigue the best way possible. Because it's easy to get that wrong. You go up a hill slightly too quickly. Doesn't mean you're not. It doesn't mean. Doesn't mean you've lost fitness. Doesn't mean you're a bad runner. It means you tried too hard on that hill to go up too quickly, and you have to. You're going to have to work that out before you can pick up going harder again. Which which. Is, yeah. is not berating yourself for being too tired, but about relaxing in the moment of that. The, the fatigue will pass, will, will reduce its intensity if you can relax a little bit. And that can come from relaxing your arms, focusing your yeah. arms. Because if that is, you know, what will be the escalation of being angry that you've got a bit tired? will be tensing everywhere. And what will be the consequence of tensing everywhere? Greater fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's that kind of mindset that will um so that would impact when you reach training plateaus mm. for example wouldn't it if you um because that's quite a natural thing isn't it you yeah. have you have peaks you have troughs mm. and you have plateaus and that can become quite frustrating so having that ability mm. to to think logically and reasonably about you know whether it was that you went too fast up that mm. hill or, or your previous couple of weeks training is it is would be very beneficial. Um, plateaus can be very frustrating for people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and often people are making very tiny. They can be making progress, but there's always a variation in performance due to the environment, due to what they've done that day. I mean, me, you know, doing hundreds of park runs, I worked out that a maximum effort. Um, would make about a 30 seconds difference in time based on whether it's windy, rainy, so on. And actually, before I, you know, uh, it took me about 80 park runs to get to this point, all the same course, um, to get to this point, to realise that you can, whatever the time was, they're they're all between 18.15 and 18.45 in those good those days, that it's quite possible that that is just as good as the other one. And not to think, oh, what time do you do? Oh, it's this time. So that's not very good. Of course, it's as good, but because you've you, the two things are different. Yes. And therefore, you, the, the, they're different because they're slightly on the and you need to accommodate that in how you evaluate it, which seems mm. obvious in a way, but actually, you catch yourself going, that was net, that was bad. It wasn't bad. It was more difficult conditions today, um, and then you know. Yeah, good exactly. exercise to track around Strava to go, actually, if it was bad, which bit of that could you honestly say you eased off to go 30 seconds quicker? Because the previous week you did 18.15, say, and you want to go, and so 18.45 would feel quite a lot easier. Okay, which bit were you easing off? And when you say, well, there isn't really one, then it might well be that you start looking at either it's tacticals or as to where those could be, and it's, it allows you it allows you to be much more positive in your evaluation um yes. accordingly and then you can go actually I'll make small tiny I'll make small goals to try and improve performance and I'll accept that as I go for one part of the performance it might have a negative effect on the other so in marathon running I know the idea as you in your first few marathons is to ease through the first half but it comes a point 
when you really when you finish a couple of marathons quite strongly, where you go, I could have gone a bit quicker mm-hmm. at the start, right? I could have gone a bit quicker mm-hmm. at the start, and that's a massive gamble, isn't it? Because yes. everyone who gets crippled at the end has gambled. They've gone too, hasn't understood themselves, and has gone too quick at the start and paid the consequences. Yeah. But there's a confidence going, actually, in order to make that step, I have to gamble on my fitness a little bit. I have to be confident on my fitness. I have to the, the I go to the edge of my, my, my area um, and be have belief that I can live in that for a bit longer. Or and that's and so your plateau is then challenged because you you start going, actually, th- this is where I can make some progress and I'm going to challenge that. Uh, and you, yeah. I mean, those sorts of things can be done anywhere. The, the I quite like to encourage people on to use parkrun for the mental toughness test, and and you go, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to try and run as hard as possible right from the start, as hard as possible right from yeah. the start, and you go, and they'll do it, and they'll go, well, I'm not any quicker. And I said, no, 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 I never see you be quicker. Um, this was a test of can you hit the I'm going as hard as possible button for the whole race. And then you start realising that in order to be quicker, it's it's about then smart smarter decisions. But you can actually trust yourself that you hit the intensity button right from the start to the end. So work that back, then that back, th- work that back, and go actually, well, how can we run this a bit smarter? And how do we then learn to to go to go a bit quicker accordingly? Yeah, and this all translates into lost mojo. As well, doesn't it? This it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? This plateau, and yes. we get a lot of comments that oh, I've lost my mojo. How do I find it again? And um, this all relates exactly to that as well, doesn't it? I think the um, every time I see that, I've got a, I've got a photo of the mojo suite, and I yeah. pop it out, and I say, "Your mojo will be left under the third bench in the park." Because <laughs> right. the kind of the we the, the mojo is when you're going well and you're making progress, um, and you. You refine that again by continuing to go out, and eventually it pops back in because you start having good experiences, um, and it then start enjoying it again. And but it's again, I mean, some of this is about then reframing how you judge your performances, and people as they yes. get older, have ridiculously harsh comparisons, judgments on their performance, and you know why not try and compare yourself to what you did last week. Not, yeah, instead of when you were in your peak. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The and yeah. yeah, and over periods of time, um, you can be, um, you, you can get different reference points. So I, I have now the, the the had the I had the um, um, post forty part where I, was, I lost a whole load of weight. When I, that was quite good, and, mm-hmm. it was, and I got quite close to the twenty five year old version of me. But we're now in the post fifty, and so the uh, it's. Yeah. The age-related percentages take on the whole new game, really. Um, we don't worry yeah, about a 25-year-old who can't do 70%, you see. You go, oh. right. And they point out that the 25-year-old is likely to be at the same speed as Mo Farah. And I say that's not my fault, that I'm 52. And that uh, <laughs> I don't have to run very quickly anymore to get over 70%. That's it. And the same for the good for age in London. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's positives everywhere you see yeah. 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 so what um, you're very active on on social what what's your 
what's your take on on the impact that social media has on on people's uh, mental performance yeah i think the um it can be very very bad social media people can get all wrapped up in the ideal images and the ideal states that people put forwards and there's mm-hmm. kind of nothing worse than seeing a great run today and then a picture of their dinner massive great dinner beside someone who's really thin and you're sitting there having just salad for lunch and struggling with everything you're doing uh, yeah. that makes comparisons awfully difficult mm-hmm. um, social media is i think it's i mean i think it's very useful for many ways it, it allows you to get information on different events so if you wanted to know what well if i'm going to the london marathon where does everyone stay what are those hotels yeah. like where are you parking what are the problems with that and you get loads of information going but you have to be quite good at teasing it out but it yeah. is quite useful for getting that information from people you wouldn't have done previously and if you flip that back a while quite a long time ago before the internet and etc was going on you struggled like anything to find out about these things um yeah. and so there's a there's a lot of useful information that can get can be got from that um strava and those such activities could put those to it you go for a run you get back in and you find that 11 people have liked your run is <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that i mean the, that is you go that's great the adulation of clapping at home it's getting not to get too carried away from that I think Strava's excellent. I've got loads of segments I've put on there. And yeah. I stopped. I created segments from where I do intervals so I don't have to use the I don't have to press the button on the watch. So I know I get home and I can see all the scores and it, it's there's like nine hundred scores in there of and you know, from years years back, which allow you to 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 make comparisons to how you you're going and that's quite useful. You can make that all as I said earlier, you can make it not public. You don't want people to see it. Yeah. So, just, which is you know, we have training diaries. It's a great it's that that regards with the new watches. It's a great train training diary. It stops yeah. any, yeah. you know, it's a, and you can u- use it in in that in that format. Um, it's you know, where you're going. You know, when I go to a different park, when I do any race, I go on to I find the race on Strava to have a look at the profiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. and so you can track track through that. Um, mm-hmm. YouTube allows you YouTube allows you to see all the courses. London Marathon yeah. is fantastic video of YouTube of London of um, London Marathon from the view of the runner, mm-hmm. and you go wow, oh. and you go actually when you look at that, you go most not not all of it looks great. Do you think that social media has had has it had more of a, a positive or more of a negative impact on people's performances? I don't know about perform- you, know, you know, going for likes. You, you know, we we talk about um, mentioned the number of likes that people get there. Do you think people hang on to that? Is that is that a bad bit of it, or you know, does, does being part of communities is that a good bit? What, yeah. How does it impact people's performances? Has it been a good thing or? The um the number of likes I get all of that and it can be a bit um a bit obsessional in that regard. Um, I I mean I personally think it's a quite a good thing. I think there there are it allows people to connect with other people they don't necessarily um, see. So you can 
get an idea that lots of people go for these runs and you can get into groups and discussions with other runners that you may not have anyway if you can't you can join a running club but your running club may not be that social anyway because you're running and you haven't got time to talk and there isn't a lot of time pre and after training and there's only a, yeah. there's a relatively few people running and yeah. for people at the at the um there may not be anyone of your standard at the running club at either ends of the spectrum. There may not be people your age group at the running mm-hmm. club. And so it allows you to meet with people in a way that connects in someone similar to yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, yeah. again, flip to other sports. Rowing, Concept 2, which does all the rowers, um, yes. connects to uh, the Concept 2 hub, which connects all concept, all of the data. They have online challenges online competitions it's fantastic because you're joining lots of groups and you can rank yourself and you so you go for a row on your own and then you you go okay right to get on the front i mean i I do this to get on the front page of the um, age-related thing you've got to get under and it might be 38 minutes for 10k and so okay well i can have a crack at that i'm close to that well that's that's um help you shape your goal so when i first started rowing First I'd row, I could run faster than I could row. It's gone the other way around. But you had no idea what any good, what good was all about. <laughs> um, so it allows you to allows you to, to see what other people are doing, and allows it to be normed, referenced. Well, if you run up a really great big hill, you can see what other people struggle on that really great big hill as well. You go, actually, I'm not. You know, it's, it's, I know you shouldn't need validation to be okay, but it helps people to have that validation. Yes, yeah, and you you mentioned the technology there as well that 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 can um it, it can I suppose that could be both positive and negative mm-hmm. as well because it can it can compound perhaps that people are on a plateau but like yeah. you said earlier on what are the conditions that you're running mm-hmm. in and, and it, it's about having that kind of level mm-hmm. um level headed approach to to the stats that you're seeing um, yeah yeah don't share it if you don't like it. Yeah. You click the button that says don't share this one and you can keep it in your training diary but not everyone else's training diary because i know i know exactly what you mean is that you have a slow run everyone goes oh why are you running so slowly all right and you know okay well because this morning's run was just going for a gentle jog what's it got to do with you anyway that's sort of kind of thing <laughs> and i can you know you know you go on to strava and you can see all the well, you can see quite a few famous runners athletes on there and they post it all and you can you get you 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 know you can see how many likes they've get steve way that does the marathons he's big following five or six hundred likes yeah um i hope he's turned the notification off his phone because that must be his his leg will be permanently vibrating what going in your pockets there steve that's the trava yeah Mm. I I think the good bit about social and the, and um, you know all this ability to share is that actually it's it, it's usually the the person who's who's self critical and it's the people that you share it with that it's specifically in running that that do you along and and um, and support you. That's yeah. one of the great things about about the running communities. Um, yeah, it, it it really can help, help I mean, in that the, aspect. The um... And it can be motivational. I used to, mm-hmm. my friend Dave used to run. He used to have various um, 
segments. He was he was the he was the winner for, and so you'd have you'd go out and you'd go for a run. You'd get to the segment rested completely. He didn't he didn't do it like this when he's broke the segment and have a go at his segment. And you you could get you'd get in and I'd get in and my wife go, "What are you laughing about?" I say, "Wait for this. Wait for this. Wait for this. Well, this this watch will go in and then we'll wait for Dave's response." And there it is. Wow! Because <laughs> you know he's going to get someone stole your thing sent to him, <laughs> and he'll go out and he'll go out. And it's, but it's, I think that's in is good harm is is good fun. Yes. Um, yeah, it is. The um, yeah. the uh, well, our former chairman of our running club, Steve, he used to do segment segment busting runs. And he's going to see this yeah. see this run he'd go on like an absolute red scribble. He's worked out all the segments out, and you look on the clip. He's got you've got fifty four new records or something ridiculous like that, just breaking hearts across Derby. It was <laughs> brilliant. Well, why not? That's very much they, yeah. they're goals to go after, aren't they? they are, why not? Yes. Yeah. Last question from me, Andy. Okay. With all of these, there's obviously lots of. Um, events that have already been cancelled yeah. uh, with everything that's going on at the moment um and there's potentially potential for more mm. what what are your tips for people who've perhaps trained and well, who have trained and are you know looking forward to these and perhaps if an event does cancel it's been their a race for mm. the last three months how do they how do they cope with that and and um move forward it's um hey I mean, the it's not going to be easy because we don't know how we don't know what the future is in that sense of how it's going to spread, what the response to it. Before um, four weeks ago, if we'd have said, "Oh, they're going to be cancelling Premier League football matches because one person's got they coughed, one person's got the um, got the virus," you go, well, "No, they won't." But that's what they just did, and yeah. so we don't. It, and what we can't, so we can't control that. We have to accept that we can't control that, and we are in a pretty good state of fitness. So that could then actually, well, I'm going to try and get something from this. So you could then set your set either set your own challenges up. So you might want to do a um, a treadmill run to do an hour on the treadmill. How far can you go? Try and get try and set some real challenging goal, which is very personal to you. That might be able to use as a benchmark for your fitness in future. Yes. Yeah. I mean, thirty minutes on a treadmill. How far can you go? Is pretty agony session, um, yes. for and quite good for marathon runners right the way up and down. I mean, doesn't this, this, what you set doesn't really matter as long as it's personal to you. It could be a mile, and you could set yourself up some challenges, and to make that more meaningful, so that you take it seriously. You tell every all your friends. You say, "I'm a bit disappointed." So, what I'm going to try and do? I'm going to try and do this. And therefore, you get some buy-in to it. They'll all ask you about it, and you can you know, social media to ramp the importance up is quite useful for that. And so you create some sort of mini events, which are under your control to have a go at, uh, which is which is a massive great third place in against what you want to do. But at least it's something, and it at least allows you to be motivated for the next training session, because currently the the effect is that you think well it might not be on, and therefore your motivation to push yourself and therefore get any fitter is reduced. So you're trying to break that up and go, actually, I'm going to try and get something from my fitness If that, because it might be, you know, we, the races are cancelled. 
So you try and set set those goals up from that. And then the other part is the is a greater perspective on this. Is the reason they're cancelled is that it's it's a good re- it's genuinely unsafe for people. And the containment of this is miles better than my PB on a race that puts everyone's at risk. And yeah, you kind of think, well, I mean, we all it doesn't take much to think through is that if this is that contagious, we've all we are all exposed. We we all mm-hmm. have people who are in the high risk category. Your mum, yeah. your gran, your friend's mum, and so on, for whom yeah. you wouldn't want them exposed to this. So you going into an event where there's potentially loads of people carrying it means that you yeah. can come back and transmit it. You go, well, actually, that's not that's not worth it, is it? And so you think of it. You have to think. It? I think you have yeah. to put it into perspective. And yeah. you know, if governments you know, they cancelled flights to America this morning, unless it's I mean, they cancel flights to America this morning, unless you're from the UK. So if you did have it, you just come over to the UK, don't you now? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Andy, thanks ever so much. Um, where, where can, where's, your, where's your home park run? Oh, home park run is Bruton. I've done that 260 times, I think, 270. Right. We don't go there as much now. We have the 450th on a, yeah. um, is the, was my first in Litchfield where I live. So it's the first time I've I've come out of my house <laughs> to go to a park run. All the rest have had some driving in or, or a hotel the night before. What, why is that? Is Litchfield a new? Is it a new one? It's a new one. Beacon Park's a new uh, park okay. run. Yeah, lovely uh, one around the um, around Beacon Park. A great new local one then. So if people, anyone listening wants to say hello, they can see you at your local one, see you at Parkrun, and then, and like we said at the start, both you and and Helen are very active on on the chat channel. So if anyone wants to chat about anything we've spoken to today, they can drop us a tweet and um, and carry on chatting. It'd be great to have you on again as well. Pleasure. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Cheers, Andy.